hear God's word to you this morning. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. Thus ends the reading of God's holy and errant word. May he bless it to our hearts and lives this morning. You may be seated. Excuse me. figure I'd do this now because I know I might be needing it later too. <laughs> hey, one of the guys in the back there, can you grab me a water in, in the office? Right next to the um, refrigerator refrigerator in there. You'll see him on the left. Sorry for that. I'm going to need a little of that too. All right. Bob Dylan. Everybody know Bob Dylan? He had two or three awesome Christian albums that have really blessed my, my heart over the years. And there's one song. I've tried to like sing it, cover it, but you ever try to cover a Bob Dylan song? Like you sing it normal and straight and it just don't sound right. You got to do it with all the cracked voice and everything. Thanks so much, man. You rock. Well, there's a song called I Believe in You. And it goes like this. They show me to the door. They say don't come back no more. Because I don't be like they like me to. And I, I walk out on my own. A thousand miles from home. But I don't feel alone because I believe in you. I believe in you when winter time turns to summer. I believe in you when white turns to black. I believe in you even though I be outnumbered. And he goes, oh, though the earth may shake me, though my friends forsake me, even that won't make me go back. And then I love these words. Don't let me change my heart. Keep me set apart from all the plans they do pursue. And I, I don't mind the pain 
I don't mind the driving rain. I know I will sustain. Because I believe in you. Yeah, I feel like saying, let's pray. But if you're a true disciple of Jesus here this morning, I hope you are. If you take your faith seriously and you strive to not only preach the truth, but to live it in your everyday life in a crooked and a depraved generation that we live in, then these words should resonate with you deeply somewhere on some level. As a matter of fact, we read it earlier in our prep for worship. I did that intentionally. 2 Timothy 3.12. Paul makes a pretty bold comment. He says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, what? Will. Be persecuted. It's going to happen. You take Jesus seriously. You take his gospel seriously. You take him at his word and you live like it. This world isn't going to say, come on in. We've been waiting. Remember what Jesus said? Here's the verdict. Light has come into the world, but what? Men, what did men love? They love darkness instead. And you got to realize when we speak the truth in love, when we live the truth in love, we got a flashlight in dark places and people aren't doing good things. And we're not helping anyone. We're not helping our children. We're not helping our new converts, when the young people who come to know the Lord. And we're, we're not helping struggling believers when we tell them that hardship is the exception to the rule in the Christian life. Because it's a lie. Those of us who have walked with Jesus long enough, we know the opposite's the case. Further up, the further in we get in this world, the more we will know what it is to be like Jesus. What is it to be like Jesus? To be a suffering servant. He was a man familiar, man of sorrows familiar with suffering. Jesus said, if they hate me, they're going to hate you. Sometimes, I don't know about you, especially older saints, but it seems like we go from one trial of faith and persecution to the next one. We just get done fighting one temptation by the grace of God, only to have the next one come up and rear its ugly head and smack us. And there are times we go, man, I can't get a break. When it rains... You know the rest. It pours. And, I, and, and let's be honest, I like to do this. And I know uh, it's tough sometimes being honest. But we have, I, sometimes in our hearts, even if we don't say it out loud, we kind of got to ask the question, where's God? Why isn't he intervening? Why isn't he putting an end to this injustice? I'm sick of it. You know, it seems like he, he does nothing to these wicked people who just have free reign to do whatever they want to try to force us to compromise our faith and deny Jesus in order to have an easy road in this short life. And God says nothing. And I'll tell you what, when we're really in deep in sorrow and suffering, we can't bear the silence of God. It's deafening. So sometimes, again, and I don't know about you, but there are times I say, man, what I wouldn't give for God to talk to me directly right now. Right? For God to just go, Santo. 
And I just go like, yes, Lord. You know? I want him to say, don't worry, my child. Despite the difficulty, you're on the right road. And don't worry about it. Wicked people are going to have their day. Wouldn't that be awesome if I, God could say that, said that to me? Well, here's the good news. He does. Because God speaks today. And I'll tell you how God speaks today. I don't need to step on anybody's toes, but maybe I do. He speaks in what he's already spoken. There's a commentary series that I love, and I love just the name of it. The Bible Speaks Today. You know what that means? That means we have the conviction that when the word of God is opened up, when it is expounded, when it is is explained clearly to the people of God, God speaks. And he speaks in power and in might. So here's the good news this morning. I got a word from God. I don't, not that I might have a word from God. Something, I definitely have a word from God this morning. Because it comes right here from the Apostle Paul, who under the inspiration of the Spirit wrote this wonderful epistle to struggling Christians in Thessalonica who are bearing up under the pressure of, of persecution with joy. And he commends them for that. And he gives them this wonderful message. And here is the gist of the message, and we'll break it down a little bit in the next few minutes. Here it is. God promises to give relief to all his people who suffer injustice from a world that hates him. Isn't that wonderful? We have a word from God. We have the promise from God. You remember, now I'm definitely, I always show my age up here, but now I'm finally seeing some people like my age or maybe even a little bit older. I don't know. How do you spell relief? Remember that? R-O, no. What we're going to see is how we spell relief is J-E-S-U-S. Can I get a witness? Yeah. You keep doing that, man. I'm going to start preaching. So that's, I'm just saying. You got it. All right. So what we're going to see is we're going to see this. God's promise to give us relief from injustice. And we're going to see four things. See, not three this time. I wanted to change it up. That way you don't fall asleep. We're going to see what he promises, when he promises it, when it's going to happen, how he's going to do it. And then we're going to see who he's going to do it for. Ain't that cool? Right in the text. I don't have to make this stuff up. So let's take a look at the first thing. What is God going to do for us? What's the promise? Well, to put it very succinctly for time's sake, he's going to give us relief from suffering in an unjust world that hates him and hates his people and does whatever they can to trouble us. Look at verse 5 real quick. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. Now, this is the question. All this is evidence. All what? Right? You have to ask that about the text. All what? Well, what's mentioned in verses 3 to 4, of course. And I'm going to summarize it for you for time's sake. Paul was just saying to them, writing to them, that he and his fellow missionaries, that's why he says we, he and his fellow missionaries ought to thank God because it is right to do so for two things. And what he thanks God for is, first of all, he thanks God that their faith is growing more and more. And, and the word in the Greek is like blossoming like a tree. Isn't that beautiful? And then he thanks God that their love 
for one for another is increasing more and more. And now I'm going to preach. This is awesome because guess what? This was an, a direct answer to a very specific prayer that he prayed in 1 Thessalonians. He said, I pray, I ask God that your love may abound more and more for one another. And now the Apostle Paul comes back and says, I have to, I ought to. It's my duty to say, praise God, he answered that prayer because now I see you loving each other even more and more. So what does that mean? Why am I pointing that out? I'll tell you why. Because when you see faith, hope, and love, when you see that, when you see saints bearing up under unjust suffering, guess who you have to thank? God. That is a work of the power and of the, the supernatural power and grace of our holy God. Because in and of ourselves, we tap out right away. We'd say, this ain't for me. You remember Pilgrim's Progress? Pliable. He keeps hearing about the, the celestial city, the city to come. And he's like, I'll go with you. One, the first trial he gets into, the slough of the spawn, he comes out and goes, where's this Mount Zion you're talking about? I didn't know there was going to be this suffering. What does he do? He goes back home to the city of destruction, by the way. Right? Well, not here. Here he says, praise God. And here's the thing you've got to see. He's saying, praise God, you're the real deal. We heard earlier, you're not fake. You're real believers. Now, why would he have to assure them of that? I'll tell you why. How often in our lives we do something, we think we're doing something for the Lord, whether it's sharing the gospel, having mercy on the weak, serving the poor, and, and then we get backlash. Anybody, anybody a witness on that? And then we say what? Then we say, oh, God must have not wanted me to do that. What was it in Italiano? Ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Can you imagine Jesus said, uh, guys, I'm hanging on this cross. I must have did something wrong. Why didn't Jesus say that? Because he knew that's what he was destined for. He knew that God had that purpose for his suffering to do what? Redeem the world. And then he says this, which is really awesome. He says he boasts about them before all the other, in all the other churches. He boasts basically in the Lord. Right? Because he just gave God the credit for the work among them. And what he's basically saying is, he goes to other churches like Corinth or wherever, right? And he says, that's what I'm talking about. You want to see what a church is supposed to look like? This is important to see this. Look at the Thessalonians. They're my peeps. That's an example I want you all to follow of true faith. Because listen, they understood first there's suffering, and then there's glory. Before the crown comes what? The cross. Jesus didn't go right to the throne. How did he get to the throne? Through what? The cross. They followed the same path their Savior trod. Far from demonstrating that God wasn't listening to their prayers, or that God had forgotten them, or that God is not blessing them. This bearing up under unjust suffering for the kingdom of God is clear evidence, Paul says, and this is where he's getting to his point, it's clear evidence that God's judgment is right. They're going to be worth, counted worthy of the kingdom when Christ comes back as judge. So you've got to remember, Meek, mild Jesus, 
the Lamb of God that was slain? Guess what else he is? The Lion of Judah. Because he came in nice and mellow the first time. First time. But we forget, next time he comes, he's coming with a rod of iron. You know, John the Baptist was a little mixed up when he said he's going to come and, and he's, he's going to uh, willow, you know, with his, with his uh, winning fork in his hand. He's going to separate um, the wheat from the chaff and there's going to be unquenchable fire. And it didn't happen in his first coming. So he was right. He just didn't realize it's not happening when he comes the first time. It's going to happen when? The second time. And that's what Paul is talking about here. So this is a very powerful point. I want you to see this. Sometimes when we see, hear this, we think to ourselves, we say, well, I've never been threatened for my life for serving Christ. I've never been persecuted like many of my brothers and sisters in other countries right now that are sealing their testimony in their own blood. So we tend to think that we haven't experienced any persecution. And we don't realize that persecution is a very broad category. Let me give you some examples. When you experience laughter, mocking, exclusion. I'll tell you, one of the biggest painful things as a human being is to be excluded. It's not a good feeling. And many of us will avoid that at all costs. I remember my buddy and I who, who led me to the Lord, we went around and we shared the gospel with our whole, literally, this is not like figuratively, literally shared it with the whole staff in the restaurant we were in. People would be like running away from us stuff, going into the freezer and things. But um, they actually invited us, somebody invited us to go to one of the after parties because we usually didn't go because there was a lot of drinking and things. But this time I thought, hey, you know, it would be a good chance to follow up on witnessing and things. And um, this one chef said loud enough, loud enough for us to hear, and he obviously wanted us to hear, who invited them? Why are they here? Didn't feel good. And they made us feel like fish out of water. They made us feel like we don't belong, like Bob Dylan sang earlier. You know, whenever we're treated badly because we are striving to actually put God's word into practice and live the way he calls his holy people who have been redeemed by his precious blood to live. That's persecution. In school or at work, I always, I always think of the, the, you know, you've seen this in many movies, because you know where the kid goes to find a lunch table? You with me? And as they get closer, the, the people all kind of, or they put something there so you can't sit down. Sometimes if your kid really is one of the odd ones, who tries to live for Jesus, not just blend in, it's going to happen. Maybe not the lunch scenario, but they're going, to, they're going to find they're not treated well. You know, some of us, we don't use filthy language like we used to, you know? You know, the whole friends don't treat me like that. Because we know that Jesus shed his blood to make these lips holy. And we get all kinds of, we a boy scout. Can't cuss around him. And I always say, hey, Jesus is with you always. Don't worry about offending me. Maybe you refuse to make fun of the weak or the introverted person, or maybe that person that's different 
because you belong to the one who you know has a special heart for the weak, for the marginalized. So you go and you help that nerd in school and then your stand status of cool goes down to being a nerd too. And you say, you know what, for Jesus, I'll take, it, take 10 more of those. Or maybe you try to stay sexually pure in a world that's obsessed with sex, out of marriage, all kinds. And they make fun of you for that. You get in the picture? I'll save my time here. I won't use the rest of it giving you illustrations, but I will tell you this illustration. I, I know uh, as we raise our children and our new believers on uh, to trust God even um, through these hardships and to keep following them even though the whole world is um, trying to pull them away from the Lord. Maybe you had an experience where a child comes to you crying in pain because they've been ex excluded or they've been mistreated or a young believer has. And in, some, in those situations, I don't know about you, but I, I have a human sinful nature too. And you know what I want to do? I want to intervene. I want to say, let me go talk to their parents, right? Let's go see, let me have a talk with them. You know, I'm going to give them the right hand of fellowship. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do any of that stuff. But that's, it's and I want to fix it, right? Don't you want to fix it? And sometimes I want to say, I feel so powerless. I wish I could take away your hurt. I wish I could take away the pain. I wish I could take away the injustice. So God, why don't you do something? Why don't you care? Are you fair? You're supposed to be a just God. When am I ever, when is my child, when am I going to, when are the young believers going to experience relief? And I guarantee that's what the Thessalonians were wondering on some level. So look at verse 6. Don't worry, this is my longest point. Don't get nervous. Look at verse 6. God is just. That's like, ah, cold water on a hot day. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. Praise God. We got a word from heaven. God is just. He's going to pay them back in spades. And it's a deep and a solid and a lasting comfort to know that God clearly says he is going to right all wrongs. Just saying those words brings peace to my heart. And you know what's interesting? He says, Paul says, and he's going to do it for us too. Because remember, Paul lived in prison. He was beat. He was stoned almost to death. And he says, man, someday that relief is coming for me. So this is my, my buddy wrote a song. Matt Bissonette wrote a song. Um, it's called Good Company. And he said, you can nail me to the tree. It just puts me in good company. And you're in good company with the apostles and the prophets and Jesus who went before you when you're treated like this. Then you could say, hey, I am the real deal. Because I'm just like daddy. I'm preaching because not only what. So here's the question. Okay, great. Relief's coming. It's on the way. God is just. When's this going to happen, Lord? I'm so excited for this message. Yeah, I'm not going to hear too many amens on this one. Well, let's look at when. Look at verses 6 and 7. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. <laughs> uh, that's where you kind of go, um, that's not what I was expecting. That wasn't the answer I was looking for. But the truth is, that's only going to happen when Jesus comes again. Amen? 
That's when the big reveal happens. You know, we watch these shows when, when they rehab houses, there's the big reveal, right? Or when they lose 7,000 pounds and gain 8,000 back next year. But anyway, there's the big reveal, right? Well, the big reveal isn't going to happen until the heavens part. And we see the same Jesus who went up come down to claim his throne. I can't wait for that day. He's going to brush off the Satan, Satan and he's going to sit and go, ha! Listen, Paul says this elsewhere in his letter to the, the uh, Roman believers. He says, who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it, what? Patiently. Those of you who have been going through uh, 1 Thessalonians, we've been seeing that patience thing a lot, haven't we? <laughs> Patiently. And I know, I, I feel this way too. Wait a minute, I've got to wait till then? Well, it's good to remember that even the aid, God does give us aid in this life. He does encourage us in this life. Think about it. Lazarus was raised from the dead in this life, right? But guess what? In, in this life, at best, it's partial. And it's temporal. Can you, so we all look at Lazarus. He was raised from the dead. He had to die again. Um, it's like, really? I got to go through that twice? Because it's this side of glory, right? Deliverance isn't complete. I wrote a little song called I Know. And the chorus of that, uh, it, it's, these words were heavy on my heart. Scriptural words about uh, the coming of Christ. And, and it's not going to be made right completely until he comes. And um, it just really hit me that still I know this world is full with sorrow. Still I know this world lies to me. Right? But I know joy is coming. And it'll come tomorrow when Jesus comes to set his people free. And then the beauty, even me. We'll talk about it in two seconds, two minutes. One more Dylan quote. Dylan says this in one of his other songs on that album. Will I ever learn that there'll be no peace, that the war won't cease until he returns? <laughs> I love that. Because I got to remind myself that too. So here's the question. How did it help the Thessalonian believers back then? How does it help us today to know that relief is coming in the distant or maybe not too distant future? This is how. You know no matter how bad it gets. Amen? Even if you have to go as far as to seal your testimony with your own blood, and God will call some of us to do that. You know that your faith and your patience that you have exercised in the Lord is not in vain. Because, see, I could put up with a lot as long as I know it wasn't a waste. You, you know what I'm saying? And Paul says right here, your faith and trust in God, even in the worst of circumstances, will be greatly rewarded when it really matters. And when does it really matter? When Jesus brings in his permanent kingdom. The one that will last forever and ever and will not have an end. Listen, the Persian king in, kingdom end, the, the Greek kingdom ended, the Roman kingdom ended. Someday the American kingdom is going to end, but the kingdom of God ain't. It goes on. Forever and ever. Because here's the coolest thing. You know we talk about exclusion here on earth from the world. Well someday there's going to be a great marriage day 
marriage feast of the Lamb. And as it were, there are going to be seats. And as much as we've been excluded here, not only are we going to be welcomed to that table, we're going to have a place with our name written on it. And we're going to have heavenly people saying, oh, Brother Santo, here's your seat. And I'm going to say, why, thank you so much. I don't deserve it, but I'll take it. So here's the thing. As much of a difference as being saved makes in this present world, the real impact will only be seen on that great and terrible day of the Lord. Then you're going to be like, now I'm thankful that I've been saved. How's this going to happen? Real quick, verses 8 to 9. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. Listen. The ones who troubled us, God's going to trouble. The ones who afflicted us, God will afflict them. And then listen, here is the powerful thing. And this is the thing that should drive us to share the gospel with even our enemies. Those who excluded us for a season, listen, will be excluded for all eternity from the kingdom of heaven. There is nothing more chilling in this whole book than that fact. Nothing. And people will accuse us of all things because we're just preaching what the word says. And I really, I really love what C.S. Lewis once said. And I think this makes it really clear when we think of these harsh words, seemingly harsh words. He said there will only be two kinds of people in the end, won't there? He says those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God will say, thy will be done. Because notice what it says here. They refused to obey the gospel of God. And God finally says, as you will. You did not want me. You get your wish. It says here, it'll be thorough. It'll be everlasting. And so we have to ask, make sure that if we're in this room, we want to make sure we end up on the right side. Amen? Today's the day of salvation. Our one brother said he didn't get saved till later on in life. In this world, it's never too late. It's the day of grace. But I'll tell you what, when that time comes, when Jesus, either when you die or when Jesus comes, time's up. So now's the day. Last thing. Last thing. We saw when, we saw what, we saw how. Briefly, and the last thing we're going to look at is who. Who's he going to give relief to when he comes back? Look at verse 10. On the day he comes to be glorified in who? In his holy people. And to be marveled at among all those who have believed. And this includes you. I don't know about you, but I'm going. Because you believed our testimony to you. And I think it's interesting. You know, we get in this debate of who are saints? Who are the holy ones? The saints are described one way here. You know who they are? They are those who believe the testimony of the gospel. They're not some special superhero, Green Beret Christians. 
who can do miracles that we can't do. They're those who receive Jesus as Savior and Lord and show the fruit of that by their lives. It's an old, old hymn that I'm not too keen on the music to it. That's probably why you don't hear me singing it. Maybe someday we'll change it. But the words are impeccable. The hymn writer says this. When this passing world is done, when has sunk yon glaring sun, when we stand with Christ in glory, looking over life's finished story, then, Lord, shall I fully know not till then, how much I owe. Isn't that good? When I hear the wicked call on the rocks and hills to fall, when I see the start and shrink, when I see them start and shrink on the fiery deluge brink, then, Lord, shall I fully know, not till then, how much I owe. And the last line, I love it. When I stand before the throne, listen to these beautiful words, dressed in beauty, not my own, that's so cool. When I see thee as thou art, this should make your heart jump, love thee with unsinning heart, then, Lord, shall I fully know, not till then, how much I owe. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your Spirit's power. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity that you promised to give all believers. We thank you that he works in us what is pleasing in your sight. He grants us faith and repentance. And he gives us the staying power to have that hope for what we don't already have. That we might press on and still believe even when literally the whole gates of hell try to prevail against us. God, we thank you for our brothers and sisters in Thessalonica, Thessalonica who are now with you in glory. And we pray that you would do for us what you've done for them. Give us that power to persevere unto the end, no matter what, Lord. That's the gift that we want. We don't ask for riches. We don't ask for fame. We don't ask for popularity. We ask for the staying grace to stay true to you until you come again. It's in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.